Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Good evening to all, Hidden Treasures Revealed. Back with you on Tuesday evening, me and Phil here. We're going to be talking about something that we've touched on before on previous podcasts, and this is something that came to my mind as I was at home working today, and just another good aspect of the truth of Yah and something to bring out to give understanding talk a little bit about to go with all the other lessons, information that Yah has given to us. And it's the subject of entitlement. And I'll explain how this came to my mind to discuss. With a lot of things, we can talk about something and you could say that you could put it as a positive or a negative spin on this. And this actually just came to mind as I was thinking about this topic of being, for example, you think that you're entitled to something, which entitlement means the aspect of you think that you are owed something, that you are due something, you deserve something. And the reason that I was thinking about this today was, and Phil, this is the utmost importance for me and you, that when we get information that we do our very best to put it to ourself, to evaluate ourselves. Because when we speak the truth of God, it's as the word says that if we are teaching somebody the aspects of the law, the aspects of the gospel message to make sure that we ourselves are doing our due diligence to make sure that we are doing it right before we are teaching somebody else to do it. If we don't understand how to do it, something like that, then we should really be careful to evaluate before we profess Something doesn't mean we can't say something is true, but just make sure that we are bringing it to ourselves before we speak it, as we speak it, after we speak it, because that's the absolute best way to avoid being hypocritical because the whole, the essence of hypocrisy is you are not considering yourself in it. You're just pointing out somebody else's wrong or mistake but be careful that you evaluate yourself first because is it appropriate for you to point out this to somebody else without you first looking at yourself and as Yeshua taught that you're not considering the log in your eye, you're just considering the speck that you see. Make sure that you're considering yourself so that the best way that you can help somebody is to make sure that you are considering it in yourself first. So with that, this came to me in the aspect of I was having a struggle and found myself getting a rise of irritation. And then after the fact, this concept came to mind about, do you think that you're entitled to something in this? And I'm going to speak about entitlement, that entitlement is not a bad thing. 
what happens is, is that when we think that we are entitled to something that we are not entitled to, we feel a certain way, or we think that we have been wronged, or we've been cheated, and, well, I think that I should be able to have this, or I should be able to have that. Well, being entitled to something, you can, and I'll use this aspect, let's say you, you go to your job, that you've either made a verbal agreement to work for a company, signed a contract of some sort where there's stipulations, or even you could put it to a phone contract, DirecTV, cable service, different things that we do in, in life have a contract where it has stipulations that you must agree to, that you are entitled to what you've agreed to. If you've come to terms with somebody, let's say a contract, and what I found for myself is, is that if you know what you've agreed to and you're doing your best to fulfill those stipulations, then you know what you're entitled to because the entitlement comes from the giver. The person that gives out whatever the contract is, the stipulations that, okay, this is what, if you agree to this, this is what you're entitled to. You agree to work for 40 hours a week, five days a week, and what you're entitled to is to get this pay, these benefits. But what I found for me was is that when I caught myself getting frustrated, it was, wait a minute, is this a part of my job? And if it is, then I need to close my mouth and stop complaining because that's what I've agreed to. That's what I'm entitled to. Now, if it's something that's put on me that wasn't in the agreement, I can say, hey, I have a question that you're wanting me to do this, but this isn't what we agreed to. And then make a decision on how it's going to be handled if they say, okay, well, you're correct that we should not have put that on you. Or as Messiah did, that this stuff is being put on me, that but I'm not going to complain. I'm going to leave it in God's hands. So really it's using the physical and the worldly aspect to understand the spiritual aspect that, and it just came to mind as, do you know what you're entitled to? Because if you do know, then you have no room to complain or argue because that's what you agreed to. If you agreed to something and you didn't read the contract or the specifications, are you still in the right to argue and complain? Because even if you didn't understand it, you agreed to this. And Messiah said clearly when he was talking about faith in him, that be careful to count the cost, weigh the cost before you make the decision, because it's not going to be on God. If you go into something and you don't understand the full aspect, it's on you because if you agree to it, just like the Israelites, when Yah was on Mount Sinai and there was the thunder and the rumbling and all these things, that Yah was a terror, we'll do everything that you want us to do. All right, well, now you've entitled Yah to say, okay, you said that you would do this. You made the promise, so now I'm going to demand it of you. So we have things in life where we have entitlement and it works perfectly fine. The problem comes in is when either you didn't read the terms, you didn't understand it, and you agreed to it anyway, and then you get upset with the employer or the person. And it just came to my mind what a lot of times what I'll do is I'll waste so much time getting frustrated when, hold on, because if I'm getting frustrated or aggravated, that means that either one, I think that there's an injustice, somebody's wronged me, 
uh, I'm getting screwed, so to say, or somebody's getting one over on me. But is that really true? And I was thinking about that, that I even asked my employer for, could you give me my job description so I could read it and look through it to see what, what did I actually agree to here? And if this is what I agreed to, then if I'm still complaining about it, then I'm incorrect. I'm wrong in that, that wait a minute, I'm not going to complain anymore against this because this is what I'm entitled to. This is what the stipulations are. This is what I agreed to. And what the right, fair, and just thing to do is to go along with what I agreed to until either one, the contract is terminated, I leave the job, and then the contract, the the entitlement, all that's um, gone from there. But the bigger aspect is with faith is do people think that they're entitled to things from Yah that they're not entitled to? They just assume, well, God will do this for me, or it'll be easy, or but let's be careful to make sure that we know that what we're entitled to, what in this faith journey do we deserve and what does God give? And it made me think of, there's a lot of people that may think, well, I've gone to church all my life. I've been going to church for 30 years. I've been a Christian and I've accepted Jesus when I was eight years old and I was baptized and I've accepted Jesus. So when I I'm saved, so when I die that I'll, I'll be in the kingdom of God and make sure that you know the terms because the word of God makes it clear that no sinner, no one that continues to sin is going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. But people will think, well, God is good. And, and I did these things. And so this is what I deserve. I, I deserve to be in the kingdom. And, we have multiple scriptures and one that's coming to mind is Yeshua at the great white throne judgment that he says, many in that day will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name and do all kinds of miraculous signs in your name? This is what we're entitled to. We, we followed you. So we should get into the kingdom. And it says that he says to those people plainly, Get away from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. You practice lawlessness. You didn't find a way to stop sinning. And therefore, no, you are entitled to what sin brings about. And the scripture that actually brought all this in my mind was the scripture that says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Messiah, Yahushua. The wages of sin is death. If you sin, you are entitled to death, hell, the abyss. The gift of God is eternal life in Messiah. Messiah is the one that's entitled to the kingdom. In him, you have an inheritance, which is eternal life, but for him, creation was made. All things were made for him and by him and through him. It was made for Messiah. You share in him, you have an allotted inheritance, which that inheritance is eternal life in the kingdom with him. But we got to be careful that, well, I'm entitled to this. No. What you're entitled to when you're born into this life, unless you find faith in Yah, is hell. That, that, that's what everybody deserves. 
you're born as a sinner, you don't find faith in God, then you will be in the abyss, that that's the path that you chose because the word makes it clear that although the people knew God and the way that Yah made themselves clear was through creation, their invisible qualities, that you didn't find the way to salvation, so therefore what you deserve is the just due punishment for sin, that the wages of sin is death. But Yah, by grace, which given the opportunity, that you have the opportunity to have faith in them, to have faith in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, where you can escape the wrath of God, and you can be in the kingdom of heaven. But with this aspect, that make sure that if you fulfill the stipulations that are laid out in the word of God, that you will have eternal life. But what happens is we think that we are deserving of something because of something we've done. Well, we know that by the works of the law, you're not going to be justified. It's by faith in God. So it's faith in Yah, being obedient to them, doing your very best, that it's by faith in Messiah that you're saved, not by your own works. But there are works, and we've said this before too, that there are works that you must do in the faith of God and Messiah that were set aside from the foundation of the earth. So the point of starting out this evening is, is that there in your life, that there are moments where you have entitlement, that you are entitled to things and not all the things are negative, that it's, again, you sign a cell phone contract, you follow in those stipulations that you're entitled to the service and the benefits and whatever the monthly payment is. So we go through life with contracts and agreements. So those things are well and good. It's just that we need to be careful that if we ever get ourselves into a situation where we're complaining and getting frustrated, make sure, do we really know what we've agreed to in the situation? Do we really understand what we've committed to? And there's a parable of this in the word of God, where the parable of the workers in the vineyard, that there was a man that owned a vineyard that had work to be done. And he said that this is the wage that you get for the work that you do. Some people came in early in the day, worked the full day. Some people came in in the middle of the day. Some people came in at the end. And when the time came to be paid, that everybody got the same wage. And some people grumbled against this. And the owner of the vineyard saying, well, why are you grumbling against this? Do I not have the right to use my money the way that I want to use it? Can I not pay what I want to, to pay the way I want with my money? And ultimately what Yah is saying is, is that if you come to faith before somebody else or somebody comes to it near the end of their life or quickly, don't grumble against those people and say it's not fair. That, well, I've been struggling and suffering in this faith for 20 or 30 years, but then this person comes in within a year or six months and they have the fullness of faith. And it's to be careful. Don't grumble against that because the wage is the same. It, it's faith in Yah that the ultimate wage, the the gift of God is that eternal life, that place in the kingdom. So if somebody comes to it quickly, somebody comes to it later, don't complain against that. Rejoice that somebody has repented to God and they found the fullness of it and that they're in the vineyard working with you. And it just made me think of just really, this was really speaking more to me about times of complaining and not having gratitude because the gratitude comes where 
hey, I know I don't deserve this, but Yah, thank you so much for this opportunity for faith, to have the fullness of faith, to have circumcision of the heart, because being a sinner in the past, having sinned, but now not sinning anymore, that I'm just so grateful that you have saved me from, from the life of death, the life of darkness, and I'm grateful for that, and I'm I'm not deserving of any of this stuff. You give it to me by your mercy, by your kindness, and I'm very grateful for that. But if you go into it with thinking that you're owed something, then that's a tendency to be prideful and puffed up. And no, we should be have a humble attitude always before Yah, realizing that we deserve death, and because of grace, the opportunity to have salvation, which grace is just that opportunity, God doesn't do it all for us that we have the opportunity to find the faith that Yeshua has and does have now, that we can walk in the light as he is in the light. We can walk as Yah does. We can walk without sin. And to be grateful to God for that and to have thanksgiving that, no, we were when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There was nothing we could do. We had to have him in order to have the opportunity for salvation. And just this just spoke to me about Whatever my lot and my portion is, don't complain about it because that's what Yah has for me. I'm going to be grateful for that and I'm not going to complain. And this just this is just a really good topic that ties in with the others in regards to the keys to the kingdom and faith being a quest that just is something to bring to mind to where people listening, you may not even be thinking about it. Like you may think, well, I'm not entitled to anything. Well, if you dig deep enough and really evaluate yourself and kind of look and think about when you've complained, when you've had bickering towards people, stuff like that, that you really think that you're owed something. And a lot of this is you don't necessarily see it in your conscious mind. It's in your lower conscience. But I just found that for me that just some things came to mind about having resentment and getting frustrated that the, as y'all will do, that a thought will come to you to say, well, do you think that you're entitled to this or, that you're not entitled to this because the life of faith is a life of struggle and suffering. And it's not painted. The picture is not painted as though it's just every day. It's just, you're just beat down on the ground and stuff like that. But you do have struggle and suffering, but that's a part of faith. That's the part. Even Messiah said that you people will persecute you because they first persecuted me and they, they kill me, they're going to kill you. That it's just to have a mindset just to know that be careful to get an attitude that God owes you something because God doesn't owe you anything. That they give the opportunity to have faith by grace. And it's just just, just a, a good topic to talk about to really understand what entitlement is, who gives entitlement, what is the other person entitled to so that you can find your place through faith and find that place of peace where, yeah, I am entitled to this and I'm okay with it because it's what I agreed with as to not understanding what you've agreed to or not agreed to that can cause frustration and anxiety. So Phil, those are my thoughts. I'll turn it over to you to anything that y'all would have you to bring out. But um, this was just, this is just a, another good refresher just to talk about entitlement.
law rules everything. Everything has a law. There are laws for function and there are laws for dysfunction. There are laws for you to be entitled, uh, true and rightly to be entitled to good things. And there are roles that entitle you to bad things. And it's really uh, important that people understand the concept here when we talk about entitlement. Because even though, and correctly spoken by you, the aspect of the one giving is the one who sets the bounds for entitlement. So you're entitled to have this if you do this, this, and this. The one receiving has absolutely no control over the entitlement. The the one that's the giver is the one that has control over the law that determines whether you will get favor or whether you will not get favor. And so everything has law. Grace has law. Well, someone might say, well, how does grace have law? Well, in order for grace to be grace, you can't do anything to earn it. That's the law that goes to it. And if you're trying to do something to earn it, then what you're entitled to is hell because you're you're trying to accomplish this according to your own works and just like you said entitlement is there in i would say just about if not everything that we do it's just a matter of whether the entitlement is good and you're actually receiving the gift of the promise or it's bad and you're receiving the uh, the punishment for not doing good because God will lift up and exalt those that do good and those that do evil will be punished, will be uh, cast into the lake of fire. And when we talk about entitlement with God, there are things that God does entitle us to. But in order for us to be entitled to whatever it is, we must, we have to follow the stipulations all the way through in order to receive it. If you, uh, if you think you're seeking with all of your heart, but you're not finding God, then you're entitled to not know God because you haven't sought with all of your heart. If you're seeking with all of your heart, then you will continually start to and increase in knowing God, and that will never end because seeking with all of your heart never ends. It's a starting point, and it never ends. I had this thought as you were speaking that it's just like with we mentioned the keys, that one key will open up the door, that you have the control to unlock the entitlement of seeking with all your heart to where it's it's locked up until you seek with all your heart and then you're entitled to as long as you don't um 
go out of that contract or that uh, understanding commitment that you accept the stipulations that go with it and you walk in it, then it's just like with your job that if you come to work on time, then you're entitled to the benefits. But if you stop going to work on time, then we're going to change that because you went away from what was said. And you've heard this before, unconditional love. Well, unconditional love doesn't exist because for it to be love, there are conditions that must be met for, for you to be a part of the love of God, that to be entitled to the love of God that's in Messiah, that you must follow stipulations in order to be loved by God. Because if you don't, because people think that, well, there's nothing I have to do, it's just unconditional. But everything is conditional. And people may hear that and say, well, no, that's not true because unconditional love doesn't exist. Well, there is no such thing as unconditional love because for love to be love from the aspect of God, there it is conditional because it says, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, kind, that if you don't fall within that, then it's not love. So love has law. Like you said, the, the aspect of everything has to have that order, but I'll let you continue. But that just came to mind that with the the aspect of entitlement, that there has to be an entitler, like just like a title to a car, that if you own the title, then that means that your name is on there and it's your car. You own everything that goes with it. But until that, you don't have the title until you fulfill the stipulations in order for you to get the title. Right, because if you don't pay off the loan, then the bank is not going to forfeit the title because it, it belongs to them. It doesn't matter. You could pay up to the last payment. Well, I paid, you know, $42,000 and yeah, but it's $42,589 and you didn't make the last payment of $589. If you don't make that payment, they're going to repossess the car. It doesn't matter how much you put into it because that's part of the stipulation. Part of the entitlement is that you have to pay it in full in order to then own the vehicle and own the title to that vehicle. Then you're able to do with it as you please. But until that point, it doesn't matter. And this is so important. I mean, people know this from a worldly perspective, but why does it get distorted from a godly perspective? Why does it, everybody think that they're entitled to the kingdom of God because they accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior? The, the reality is, is that if you haven't received three baptisms, the, the three stages of baptism that equal the one united baptism, which is to be baptized into the name of the Father, into the name of the Son, and into the name of the Holy Spirit. You can claim you have faith in the Son of God, but if you haven't been baptized into the Father, you cannot be baptized into the Son. You're not entitled to the Son. And just because he came and died on a cross, you're not entitled to that. And, and your sin, you're not entitled for him to just take your sin completely away. No, you have your responsibility and the law that goes with it 
that determines. And God makes it clear through the scriptures that there are always, he lays out both sides. Just like in Deuteronomy, blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. And when you have the fullness of faith and you're walking uh, in line with God, with that obedience, we are entitled to blessings, which means that everything that happens, even the struggle, even the suffering, even the pain is still a blessing for us. And if you don't see it that way, then you haven't fulfilled the stipulations. You fulfilled the stipulations for the other side, for you to not receive those things. Just like uh, the aspect of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's it. God gave his one and only son. Everybody can be saved. Everybody's entitled to be saved because God gave his one and only son. No, absolutely not, because it goes on to say that for he that believeth in him shall have eternal life. So your entitlement to eternal life has to come through faith in Messiah. But you can't have faith in Messiah if you don't have faith in his father first. And this is a big piece that is missing in the church world today. Now, I would say uh, that the the uh, Muslim religion is stuck on the uh, belief in the Father, but they don't believe in him. They believe the things about God, but they don't believe in him because if they believed in him, they would believe Messiah was the son, that Yeshua, that was prophesied, fulfilled all the prophecies, and therefore he was entitled to be the son of God. He was entitled because nobody has ever even come close to fulfilling all the prophecies except for Messiah who fulfilled every single prophecy that was prophesied about the coming of the son of God. And so he was entitled to be the son of God because he filled the stipulations. He filled the prophetic message, and then he spoke about it and talked about it. And you have to, you have to go through the Father first. You have to have the baptism, the immersion into repentance to the Father first before he will bring you to Messiah, and anybody who takes it from any other path or any other journey in that way will not get into the kingdom because you miss out on the fear of Abba, the fear of the Father. Uh, how can you, if you've just accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, where is your fear of God? And if you have the fear of God, why are you still thinking it's okay to sin? You think you're entitled to sin because this Jesus, you call him, came and died on the cross for that, and that's not the case. And people think that they're entitled for God to change their heart, like some of the songs, change my heart, O Lord, make it just like yours. There's no law or rule in the kingdom of God or in the Bible that tells you God's going to change your heart. The objective goal 
is that you have to recognize that your heart is broken and then you have to change your own heart. God will help you and they will give you what's necessary to do that. But you are not entitled. And for us in circumcision of the heart, I know that God entitles us to things as we fulfill the promise or the the stipulation, then we're entitled to the promise. But I prefer to look at it rather than entitled that we should view what we have from God is privilege. We gain privilege, not entitlement. Now, and it is entitlement. If you fulfill the stipulation that God put there, then you will, you are entitled to the promise. If you seek the Father with all of your heart, you will find him. I, nobody comes to, the, to me except drawn by the Father. Well, how can you go to Messiah if you haven't gone through the Father first? You're setting aside the law that says you have to go to the Father and you have to see God as a terror and you have to repent to Abba first. And then Abba will introduce you to his true son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua the Messiah, not the, and again, one of the reasons that we don't use the name Jesus is it's not the name. The name written Jesus in the Bible is talking about the son of God, but the Jesus that is being preached, that has been distorted and taking, taken off of course by many, many, many different degrees, and it continues to do that as time goes on, you get no entitlement to the kingdom of God without following the reality of truth, and you have to fulfill the stipulations necessary for you to receive the promise. And Accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior is not the way. Just because Paul said that because you have accepted this Messiah as Lord and Savior, that doesn't mean that that's the avenue. No, that's part of the journey is that you will make him Lord of your life. If you accept him, he's Lord of your life. If he's Lord of your life, you'll live your life as he did. You're entitled to live your life as he did. You're entitled to live without sin if you believe in the Son of God. And if you sin, you are entitled to hell. And it doesn't matter the slightest little degree. Now, we know that the forgiveness of sins, the entitlement for your sins to be forgiven, is fulfilled in your repentance to Abba, but that does not cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You have to have the cleansing from all unrighteousness that comes from uh, belief in God, and you have to go through the Father first. And it's, it's a shame, and it's sad because the people in uh, religion today honestly in their mind think they're doing what is right because they haven't evaluated the changes and the things that if they actually sat back and looked at the church that they're a part of 
and then looked at the church in Acts, they would not be able to say, we conduct business like the church in Acts. The overseers were the ones in charge, not the congregation. With God, we are only entitled to what God has said. And so you have to repent to Abba. When you repent to Abba, when you see Abba as a terror and you repent to Abba, then you are entitled to get an introduction to Messiah. And then Messiah will teach you the obedience perspective. And when you are set in the obedience perspective, and only then will he then introduce you, then you will be entitled to be introduced to mother. And when you learn the truth concept with mother, then you will be entitled to circumcision of the heart. But again, I view it more as a, from a humble perspective, that it's a privilege, not entitlement, which we know it is entitled. God says he's going to do something. He's going to do it. So you are entitled to it if you fulfill the stipulation. But our mindset should be that though God entitled me to have this, I don't view it as I deserve it. I view it as this is a privilege. And I'll give you a really good example that came to mind of someone who had the humble mindset of the entitlement, but actually in their humility, you can see it as privilege. The thief on the cross that rebuked the other thief, okay, he did not ask Messiah or think that he was entitled to be in paradise with Messiah. He considered that a privilege that he didn't deserve. Well, that's the humility perspective. You recognize that just because you're entitled to something doesn't mean you deserve it. There's a big difference. Well, you're entitled because you fulfilled what God said, but you don't deserve it. What you deserve is to perish. And But his mind was, look, Messiah, I'm not asking you anything but for you to remember me when you go into your kingdom. That's all. He wasn't, yeah, well, I believe in you, so I'm entitled to go with you. I'll, I'm going with you into paradise. And he didn't do that. I, I just thought of a, a scripture we had read before, just clicked in my mind, in Revelation where you're given, they're given the, the crown, the, I think it was the elders had the crowns, and then they they laid the crown the crowns down at the lamb's feet. And it made me think of, no, you're entitled to the, you've got the crown of life that here because you fulfilled the stipulation, but it's no Lord, this is, this belongs to you because you were the one that came and you gave your life for us. So I want to put this back to you. And that it, it came to mind of a, not saying that that didn't happen, but just a, a metaphor of it's the humility that you're willing to, back to God that in the humility that that's the reason that you were given the crown is because you were willing to lay it down because, well, we, Yeshua, we know you're the king. Like, well, 
why would you give me a crown that, but the crown of life with the, the authority to be in the kingdom. But it just made me think of the, the entitlement aspect of think about this in faith that what is it that we put to death when we crucify ourselves with Messiah? It's not self it's selfishness. So with the aspects of this journey that you have to be willing to give up the selfishness, which is because with selfishness, I'm entitled, I'm the one that it's all about me and I'm entitled and I'm entitled. You have to be willing to lay that down and be willing to give the entitlement over to God where it belongs that, yeah, you are God and I'm turning from this life of selfishness. I'm turning to you with everything. Teach me your ways. I want to, I'm, I'm willing to give up my entitlement that I have with selfishness. I'm willing to lay that down to you show me what you want me to do. I'm willing to do it. And then Yah says, okay, so you're willing to walk in my ways. So now, and as you said that now you're entitled to forgiveness of sins because you've fallen along with repentance. And it made me think of this, that the beauty of why the written code was given in the old Testament, because that brings wrath that the ministry that was on the tablets of stone is to bring wrath and condemnation. It's for you to fear God. It's for you to turn to God and repent to get away from your sin because you know the terror of God. And that's what brought in the written code brought in sin came to life to where you can know that you're a sinner before an almighty, holy God, that that was brought in so that you would fear God and be a terror. Who will save me from this body of death? Well, I see that you've turned to me in repentance. You know who you are. You know you deserve punishment for your sin. You recognize that because the law did its purpose, the written code. So now you're entitled to go to my son to learn obedience because the law did its job, that you see that you're a sinner and that you deserve death and you start out in obligation. Then it transfers to a willful that, no, I really desire to walk in your ways. Teach me your ways. Teach me how to really be pleasing to you. Okay. I'll bring you to my son because he's pleasing to me because he obeys me. No matter what I ask him to do, he will do it. Well, that's what I want to do. Okay. But you're prepared. You have to know why would you be brought to Messiah to learn obedience when you don't even realize that you're a sinner before God, that you've been disobedient. So it all has a distinct order that you must follow because if you don't see God as a terror first, then you won't realize and really know who you are before God as a sinner and you won't repent. And if you don't, then you, it's not even a fact that Abba would not bring you to the son. He cannot bring you to the son because it doesn't fall in line with the law that was there, which is if you don't walk in the law of repentance, then you're not going to move on to the next step. So you're just stuck there and people will get upset with God. Well, it's not fair. It's not fair. No, it's just you, you must follow that order and it is not being taught. And a lot of churches that are, and we haven't, we've come out of Christianity, but we know it hasn't been because of it would be, then you would be teaching the truth. And Phil actually ran across this scripture before we came over looking at a Facebook page. And we had talked about this in our, uh, the church gathering recently about how far off course, and you mentioned it briefly, that religion has got off of the center of the truth that you have in the book of John, I believe it's verse uh, chapter eight, verse 12, that says, 
I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will never walk in darkness. And you hear that. The one who follows me will never walk in darkness, meaning that if you follow me, you will get away from darkness. Because if you're following me, then you're walking as I did. You're not going to sin anymore. You'll find a way, you will find the way to get away from sin because you're in me, you're following me. But that gets distorted. You mentioned that word distorted, where it just gets, just like music or sound, it just gets turned off of the, the center point just a little bit and just gets off just a little bit. And the scripture can be right in front of you that says, the one that's in me will no longer walk in darkness. But then, yeah, that's right. But why are you not doing what's necessary? Why are you not listening to what the word of God says and applying it to get away from darkness? Because Messiah says that I'm the light of the world. The light of God, which is there is no darkness in Yah. There is no sin in the Son of God. You must find a place of no sin. And if you don't, then whomever still sins when they die is a sinner that you will stand before Messiah and he will say, get away from me. I never knew you because you are not, you don't have the privilege of getting into the kingdom of heaven because you did not follow the stipulations to entitle you to eternal life. It's just like a will that you can draw up a will and your name can be in it. And when you, this person dies that you're entitled to all this money or real estate or whatever. But if the person takes your name out of the will and they die and your name isn't there, just like Messiah says that be careful that I would blot your name out of the book of life, that the gospel message, the word of God, all of this stuff is, has stipulations in it. And just like, entitlement in the world. If you do not fulfill the stipulations that are there, you will not get the reward. And Messiah made a statement. It is finished. But he didn't make a statement of it is finished until it was finished. And if he hadn't have finished that work, then circumcision of the heart done by mother would not be able to come in if he had not done his work. If he would have said, no, I'll just do everything other than giving my life. Well, then he would not get circumcision of the heart and we would not have access to mother to get circumcision of the heart. So therefore he would be out of the kingdom. We would be out of the kingdom. So the way that God works in such a perfect lawful way that they are, they are not going to veer from what they've set in place. And as they say, I am God, I do not change that what they have set and they set firm that they're not going to change what they've said, that the way to salvation is by faith in our son. It is not by works of the law, because if you make it by works of the law, then you're, you're bringing it upon yourself to be righteous. No, the righteousness was always going to come by faith in my son, not of your own. Because if you do that, then it, it says that Messiah will profit you nothing. Yeah, because you're not going to be entitled to the kingdom because you decided that you could do it on your own and Christ is of no value to you because if you think you can do it, then what did Messiah die for if we could do it ourselves? But this is just an interesting, I had not thought about the aspect of this with um, what you brought out with the thief on the cross that from what I remember, the other side said, Hey, save us from this. You're the King. Like get us down off of this so we can escape this. And it's like, no, no, he doesn't, 
we're the ones that deserve to be up here. We're the ones that committed crimes. He didn't commit any sin. And just the humility, just think about that, that, hey, uh, I'm going to die up here. And I just ask that you remember me. I'm not asking for anything because I deserve to be here. Well, that's the, that's the aspect of that humility that turns you to God, that you know that you deserve hell. You deserve that punishment. You're not fighting against God and saying that you're unjust. You're saying, no, yeah, you're just. I deserve this eternal torment. Please, is there anything I can do to escape from this? And yes, there is. My son. So this is just, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people don't think about the spiritual aspect. They may understand the uh, physical aspect, but the spiritual aspect is even more important because this isn't a thing where you get up to the kingdom and you negotiate with God and then God will let you in the kingdom because, well, we'll just talk it out because I've heard people say that, well, we'll just have a conversation and, and we'll work it out in the end. No, you don't understand. Have your conversation and find it now because at that time, you're going to know, and there is going to be going to be no conversation for you to try to negotiate with God that do find it here where you must find it here before you perish, because there is no negotiation. And we know that for sure with the rich man and Lazarus, that once you die, that that chasm is set and you cannot cross back over again. And once somebody decides that they deserve something from God, and grace is removed because grace is the fact that you don't deserve what God has given you the open door to enter into. And so nothing that we get, even though God entitles us to it, we don't deserve it. And if we think that God owes us something because of what we've done, then you're you're living by works and not by grace and therefore you end up perishing in the fire with the rest it's really important that people understand the balance in this though because faith is intended to be known faith is intended to be i uh, that you know that you don't doubt at all and you and I both coming from Christianity know that how many different times that doubt is a part of that walk because you're not sure. Well, we are sure now. And so though God entitles us to things, we don't deserve them, but God wants us to have full confidence and expectation in what they entitle us to, meaning that if we fulfill, if we do what God said to do, they want us to have the confidence to say, I'm going to receive this. It's the, the whole aspect of ask, knock, and, you know, ask, seek, and knock. Uh, you ask God for it, then you seek for it, and you knock, and the door will be open to you. Well, the stipulation is, is that you ask, seek, and knock, and then the door will be open to you. If you don't see the door open to you, then you're not fulfilling the stipulation. So go back and figure out what it is you're missing and then move forward 
with it because the reality is, is that, that this faith in God is not intended to be something that you second guess or third guess or fourth guess. This faith, and we know it from circumcision of the heart, is that you don't question it anymore. You don't think that, well, am I really? No, because we know we have the full confidence in it, and we expect that God's going to give us what he has entitled us to, but we don't deserve it. That's grace. Grace is the fact that we don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do, but we have to, when we fulfill the stipulation for the promise, we have to have confidence before God that they're going to do what they said they're going to do. That's what it means to believe in them. But you have to be following through with the full aspect of fulfilling the stipulations that God has set. And unfortunately, there are too many people way off course, and they're not off course. They didn't get off course in one day. This has been happening since back when Paul talked about false teachers entering in. And then you get into the Reformation, and then things just continue to get off grace and off course, and everybody wants to change the, the faith to what they think it should be. And what you're entitled to is to have faith that looks like the church in Acts, the church that math, that uh, Messiah spoke about in Matthew that he was a part of, that he was preparing the people that he was teaching to take over his position as well that that's what we're doing in the teaching of the truth that we're doing in accordance with Acts, that the people in our gathering, something happens to us, they need to find somebody within the gathering because you're not going to find somebody outside of the gathering, nor should you try to, because if we can't teach others to have this faith and have it to a point where they can do what we do, then we fail at it. And I have no concern. Somebody's going to, oh, somebody's going to take my job if I, if I teach them this. And this, that's a big thing that happens in the world that people micromanage other people and won't tell them uh, the parts of their job as a manager because they're afraid if you learn their job, their insecurity says, well, they'll get rid of me and then they'll put you in it because you might do it better than me. And what we say is, I hope you do it better than me, especially if we get a chance to teach younger people. They better, by the time they get to my age, be able to do it better than I can do it now because I didn't come to this until much later in life. And if they come to it, like Alex, if he comes to it, the, the sooner he comes to it, then the better off he'll be when he gets to our age. And that's what we're looking for. But when we look at expectation, make sure that the stipulation you're following is God's stipulation, not something that man derived and put together from the aspect of accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it's not just Christianity. It's, it's the other religions and any other religion other than the true followers of Messiah is false. And if somebody comes teaching something 
different than what we're teaching. And they try to claim that they're a part of what we do. We will not accept it. We will not agree to it. And we will let, make it known that no, they're false. They're false teachers that, that we are not the same. And we will make sure of that because the church of Messiah is a unified body. And in that unified body, as we fulfill the stipulations that God has put out there, then we are entitled to whatever the promise is. The uh, scripture that talks about those that are called by my name, and this isn't just referring to Christianity. There's a lot of different religions that will refer to the name of God, that will have this God, supposed God. And so those that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, not humble others, humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, not turn others from their wicked ways. You turn from your wicked ways. Then I will heal your land. And as long as you want to point the finger at somebody else before you point it at yourself, then you don't have faith in God and you don't have the entitlement of heaven. You have the entitlement of hell. And it's really important. I mean, this is a plea crying out to the people, regardless of what religion you're a part of, this is a plea to get in in line and in tune with God because you will find out that you did not, because not by intention, and intention doesn't matter. Just because you're ignorant or uh, you don't know something, if you go into a town and you don't know that they have a law, but you break that law and you get caught, you're going to pay the consequence. You don't get excused. Well, I didn't know. doesn't matter. You claim to be a part of this. You came into this town or you came into this country and you should have known the rules before you came in. And because you didn't follow the rules, you're going to pay the price for not following the rules. So you get a, uh, you are entitled to whatever that punishment is. And when we're talking about God, that punishment is hell, eternal fire, that eternal burning, which means that you will always be in in torment. And everybody who's born into this life is entitled to that. That's what we deserve because we set aside the things of God to chase after the things of self. When we change, then we get the privilege of heaven when we humbly obey God. That's when we get the privilege of heaven. And so we are entitled to heaven, but we don't, without any arrogance at all, because we know that it's a precious gift through grace that God offered up his son as a sacrifice so that we could follow in his footsteps and offer ourselves to that same pleasing fact, sacrifice so that we could be in him and the scripture that says in him, I am well pleased. So when you are in Messiah, but in order to do that, you have to fulfill the stipulations and you have to stop listening to what people are telling you. And that's including us because we want to make sure that you get into the word and you get into this conversation with Yah, and you let them make it clear because it's really between you and them anyway. And we will profess this truth, and we will profess it as truth because it is, but we do not want you to just listen to it and expect 
that you're going to be okay. No, you make sure that you have full confidence in your faith, that you don't walk around, well, am I really saved? I really, you know, just not, not sure. You know, there are a decent amount of people who feel like they've committed that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is an impossibility for them if they've been in Christianity because they haven't been taught how to have the fullness, the uh, full enlightenment of mother in their heart, and therefore it's an impossibility. But if you feel that way, then do what's necessary to figure out what you have to do to find that true faith in God and then to truly get away from sin. And when you get away from sin, you will know it and you uh, you could return to it, but odds are that your mind is going to be set that I'm not returning to that because that's not who I am anymore. And we really need to know and have confidence in this faith that we have. We have to have confidence in when God says they're going to do something, they're going to do it. But that confidence has to come with me knowing with absolution, I have followed every single stipulation that God has set. And so I'm okay. Just like uh, Moses being told uh, all the intricacies of building the tent of meeting and building the tabernacle with the interiors and all that. God gave him that and built it exactly the way that I described this to you, just like Noah was the same. Build this ark to the description that I give you, and they did. And because of that, they got the privilege, like Noah, he got the privilege of then taking his sons and their wives and his wife onto the ark because God had entitled Noah to do that because Noah felt, or God entitled Noah to do it. The grace was there by, look, I'm going to give you a way out of this, but there's stuff that you have to do. You have to do work in faith, and the faith journey is not going to be easy, especially at first, because you have to you have to battle against yourself and when you learn how to battle against yourself then struggles still come but you're at a higher higher level so you're able to handle those struggles better better than what you would have in the past and so just really important that people recognize and understand that this isn't an aspect that god gives you this uh, entitlement and you deserve it. It's no, God gives you this entitlement and you with humility are gracious to receive it, knowing that you don't deserve it. But because God gave it to you, you're going to fulfill the stipulations that he put along with that, what he has entitled you to. As you were speaking, I had this thought, that in life, just as you go out to work tomorrow, whatever everybody's doing, you cannot get away from entitlement. I just saw this because I'll grocery shop at Walmart. If I go into Walmart and let's say I want to buy some cereal and the price of the cereal, because Walmart has different prices, they'll say $4 and 64 cents. And I scan that item and it says that the price is going to be $4 and 85 cents. Well, 
I will only get that cereal if I pay $4.85. If I pay $4.84 and I'm checking out and it says one penny is left and I just say, nope, I don't want to pay the penny. They'll say, hey, come back here. And you're like, it's just a penny. Hey, you didn't pay the price. You're a thief. Get back here. You have to pay the full price in order to get what you're entitled to. You're only entitled to that box of cereal or that carton of milk or those eggs if you pay what the price was set at. And Yah set the price for Messiah to be able to bring eternal life to the people, to bring circumcision of the heart, that this is the price. This is what must be done. And I had this thought, as you mentioned, the tent of meeting, because I normally may say at the tabernacle, which it is the tent of meeting. I heard that differently in my mind as before, that the tent of meeting, you want to meet God? You want to be see God face to face? You've got to go through the steps that the tabernacle laid out. I mean, look what God has done. The tabernacle is set aside in the wilderness to where it has the curtains that go around that Anybody can seek God with all their heart and God will draw them to themselves, draw you to them when you draw near to them, that they'll bring you out and, hey, here's the steps. Here's what repentance is all about. It's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of turning from your selfishness. It's a, it's sacrificing. I'm willing to, to give this up to God. Do what you want because I agree with you. I'm walking in repentance. And then we have to show that it's a sacrifice that you've got to sacrifice your very selfishness, your life. And you get to the, the place where you wash. Well, that shows that's the, the cleansing that's showing you the baptism of repentance for Cause you wash, but you're going to get dirty again because you still have sin in your heart, but you wash and look what's veiled. The way into the most holy place is covered with a curtain because the way there Messiah hadn't come yet, but they still have the spirit of Messiah because they go into that curtain and you have the, the um, lampstand, you have the showbread, you have Messiah's teaching. So that's veiled where when you're brought to him, okay, well now you can go into this first curtain and you can have, and he's going to teach you to pray. And we have the altar of incense, but there's a way that's still veiled off. It's only the high priest once a year that goes in for the sins of the people and for himself but that way hadn't been made known yet. But so Yah has given in specific detail, even in the Old Testament, the gospel message, the work of Messiah is there to be seen. Now, they may not have understand it, understood it in that aspect, but you can find it. And, and it's clear that all the steps of the gospel message are there. But with the tabernacle, they did not have people going around to the backside of the tabernacle, going in and lifting the curtain and seeing the Ark of the Covenant. No. Because Yah had specific instructions that what are you entitled to? Do not. Once a year, the high priest only goes in there. So if you go in there, you're going to die. If you do unauthorized incense, you're going to die. That's what you're entitled to. So as long as you follow my stipulations, then everything will be well, but only, and it's a, a picture of Messiah being the high priest that he's the only one, well, not the only one, but he was the first one to go in to be able to get to the most holy place, which is mother and circumcision of the heart is available because of Messiah's work, but that was veiled for a time. But it says when Messiah died, that the veil was torn in two, meaning that no longer in him, there is no longer a separation 
with God that you can have the Father, the Son, and now you can have the most precious one, Mother, the Holy Spirit. Now you can have a relationship with her, and you get to carry the fullness of faith with you. The fullness of deity and bodily form is that beautiful ark walking around with the fullness of God because you have the tablets, the law, you have Abba, you have the bread, you have Messiah, and you have the rod that budded, you have mother, so you have the fullness of faith that you can now walk around with, you embody Messiah in your life on earth. Well, God doesn't sin. So therefore you must walk as Messiah did. Well, he didn't sin, you don't sin. So therefore you have the fullness of God within you. If certainly you remain in that. You'll be given a rich welcome into the kingdom because that's your home. Because God is dwelling with you now, we will dwell with each other forever. I will be your God and you will be my people. So this whole the stipulations, you're either entitled to, and really, like you, I agree with you, the privilege of it, that you get what you've been entitled to. But if you don't do it, then you get what you've, you're entitled to as well. You get the, the full, uh, well, you get eternal death because you have separation from God that you end up in the abyss. So no one is going to be able to have any excuse that God will accept on the day of judgment because they could even, if somebody's listening in, they could take you back to the podcast. They could take you back to a time where you were sitting in church and you just had that thought and well, maybe I ought to think more about this. And you think, no, I'll just let it go or I'll, I'll do it later. I got plenty of time and Yah has a way to bring those things up to our attention. So it is a, a call to really make sure that you are seeking God with all your heart to find it because us here, we can't save anybody. We don't have the capability to do that. All we can do is put the truth on the table. If somebody wants to listen to it, apply it, they can. And, but we have no ability to save anybody. Only Yah can do that. But just think about that as you go out, even, whenever you're listening to this live or in the future, just go out and look around at things. When you go into stores and things, the prices that are set, that that entitlement is all around, but turn it to the godly, to where the true aspect of this is, and make sure that you are following the law of God and following these stipulations. And when you do that, just like when Yah told Daniel that, Daniel, you'll go and you'll rest. And then for a time, and then you will be raised up and you will receive your allotted inheritance. You will receive what has been set aside for those that have faith in, in us, which is ultimately a place in the kingdom, the eternal life. But make sure that what you are doing follows what the Word of God says, what is written in the Bible, because if it doesn't, if it doesn't go all the way through the entire process, if you leave one step out, it's just not going to work. It's just like we talked about before on here with the keys that you have all the keys in order and you turn the keys and then the door opens. Just like when you mention those people that are called by my name will humble themselves and you turn the key and pray, turn the key and seek my face, turn the key and turn from your wicked ways, turn the key. All of a sudden the door opens, but you don't have that last key of turning from your wicked ways. You can pull on that door and you can yell at God and say, Abba, why don't you open the door? I'm doing what you said. No, you haven't finished. You got to put that last key in because if you don't do that, then 
it will not open the door for me because this is what is set that this is the stipulations that must be filled because if any of that is left out, any step of that is left out, then I'm not going to be able to heal your land and people will get upset at God and say they're not fair. But that's just a futile thing because God will look right back at that person and say, are your ways the ones that are unjust? You call me unjust, but you're the one that's actually unjust. So yeah, this is, this is very important. It's just coming to my mind just to say that be looking around in the world at this and be thinking about times when you get frustrated and aggravated thinking that you're entitled to something really evaluate. Are you entitled to this? It could be yes. It could be no, but a way to really save yourself frustration and aggravation is make sure that you are lining your life up with the stipulations that God has in place and make sure that those are fulfilled because a lot of times what can happen is that you expect something from God and it's not being fulfilled. God is not the blame. And we know from the word that God cannot be mocked, that don't do that. Don't blame God because it's futile because it's, it's not proper to do that. But God is not the problem. Yah has never been the problem. It's, it's us. And just a, just a reminder to just really evaluate your life. And if something isn't going according to the way the word says, that really to evaluate, am I missing something in here? Yah, show me when I'm not seeing this. Show me so that I can correct my behavior. Uh, and through the different stages that God laid out within the Old Testament, it shows you and gives you the representations of baptized into the name of the Father, baptized into the name of the Son, and baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit. And what we have is <clears throat> Noah going to New York was a baptism of repentance towards Abba. Okay. Moses going into the tent of meeting was the going into the tent, going into Messiah. That, that's a representation because he didn't hold the conversations with God on the outside of the tent. He went into the tent. So he had, we had to have Noah first, which was with Abba. And then we had the tent of meeting, which was Moses as a representation going into that tent for uh, the communication to God. That means that now you have to be in the tent, which is Messiah. And then you have the Ark of the Covenant, which is the immersion into mother, which is the three implements in the Ark of the Covenant, which then carried them across the Jordan into the promised land. And so that's a, a clear representation because the tent of meeting is a representation of Messiah. The ark, now the ark can be a representation of Messiah. It can be a representation of mother. It can be a representation of Abba, Messiah, and mother, you know, with all three of the parts inside of that uh, the uh, ark of the covenant. But each one for you have to be in each one in order to so you you Noah had to be in the ark in order to be saved from the flood waters 
and all the other animals as well. Now, the animals of the land, the, the animals of the sea didn't, you know, it didn't bother them. So then you had to be in the tent of meeting to get that, you know, to get to that most holy place for the forgiveness of sins. And then Messiah, when he finished his work, then gave us that entrance into mother where mother enters into your heart. Now you're in Messiah. You're in the tent of meeting that you get that full communication with Abba, Messiah, and mother, all three. And we, that's where Messiah said, if you're in me, when you talk to the father, you will talk face to face with the father will not be you talk to me and then I talk to him and then I talk to you. No, when you're in me, when you're in the tent of meeting, when you're in the, uh, the boat, the ark, when you're in the ark of the covenant, then you have that communication with God. But each one of those is a representation of the first one's a representation of the father. The second one's a representation of the baptism into the Son, and then the third one with the Ark of the Covenant is the baptism into the Holy Spirit, which then gives you complete access to all three parts, which then gives you the fullness of deity in bodily form. And if you have the fullness of deity, you cannot sin. So it's important for people to understand that, but we live in a day and age where, like we've said, the degrees of what's been changed to make people feel good is so far off from the original church. And that's why we are seen as being radical or being over the top, or you're just going way too far because we've done a radical thing by going how, how many degrees off we were back to the center, the center being Abba, Messiah, and Emma. And we're holding on to the church in Acts. We're holding on to the church that Messiah started where you see it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the church that we're living and that's what we will continue to do. And, and we will be looking to see, do we line up with the church in the origin of it? And if we don't, we're going to change something to make sure we stay on course with that. And anybody who does anything different from that does not have faith in God, nor will they be in the kingdom, and they will not be entitled to the kingdom because they have not followed faith and they have not believed in God and his son. And if you haven't believed in God and his son, you cannot have the Holy Spirit within you because that's the last piece, the precious, the most precious aspect of God. And the most protected is we want to make sure that you're going to be in this for the long haul. And then you get to, uh, you get to be locked in, you get that seal that hope and hope is an anchor for your soul, which means that there's no doubt that you don't doubt, but make sure that you don't doubt, not because you've seared yourself in listening to what people have been teaching, but that 
you are sealed truly because you're following the truth of what the Bible says. And when you do, you will know your salvation. You will know Messiah. You will make him Lord of your life. You will live as he did. You will walk as he did. You will not sin because if you sin at any point, then you have failed the law of God. The, the, uh, all have sinned and fall short. And so if you sin, even at the slightest degree, you fall short of the glory of God. You will not be in the kingdom. I don't care how much pleading and begging you do and how much crying you say, well, we didn't know because people didn't teach us. God put it innately in everybody to know that he exists. And if you seek him with all of your heart, you will know and find out these things that we know. And you will have the fullness of faith and you will have a place in the kingdom but you must question and question to the point where you know with absolution that there's not even one bit of doubt that no, I know I have this faith and it will never change. I will never change my mind now. And I know from my own time spent in Christianity of how many times I would read a scripture and I'd be like, well, that says that. And I'm not doing that. I must be wrong. What do I have to do? God, show me. What do I have to do? And step by step, I was following and fulfilling the stipulations that God said, seek for me and you will find me when you seek with all of your heart. So I set my mind. I was going to seek with all of my heart. And then I started to see more and more and understand more and be able to carry things out better and be able to get rid of things rather than to hide them because hiding them does not make them go away. And so we, uh, we are entitled to things, but our entitlement is from a humility perspective that it is truly a privilege that God has granted us to have this grace. And in order to do that, I must follow the laws that govern each aspect. I must follow the laws that govern seeking with all of your heart. I must govern the laws of believing in believing God and then believing in God and having godly sorrow. I have to believe the laws of repentance. I have to believe the laws of obedience and the laws of trust. And if I don't, if I don't fulfill those laws, they go along with it. I will not be in the kingdom. And you will not be in the kingdom. And so we really want to encourage people to really dig in and see. And we're living in a time where there's a famine in the word of God. People want to hear the word of God. They want to know the truth. Well, they don't want to know the truth. They want to hear the truth. And the only ones that are going to feast that aren't going to live in famine are going to be the ones that seek God with all of their heart. That's the stipulation. That's the law for you to be able to not have the famine of the word of God, because we don't have a famine of the word of God. We have an abundant table laid out before us, just like uh, in uh, Psalm 23, that God has prepared a table right here in front of us. And we eat off of the table of God from the word of God. And we are not in that famine because of the grace of God that we fulfilled the stipulations to walk in that grace.
Yah is the one that holds the entitlement. Make sure that you find that you are walking in the ways of Yah so that you're entitled to what Yah has set out. Don't put it to where you feel that you're entitled to something and you put stipulations on God. That's where you get into trouble. And it's not that people do it intentionally, but just, you know, you're going to answer me or you're going to do this. And and I just thought this, people do put stipulations on God. Well, you know, when we die, we'll just, we'll see everybody in heaven. They're in heaven right now. Well, well, that's not your place to say if, if it lines up with the word of God that they're in heaven or not. And Phil, we'll wrap it up with this. We had a really, a lot of good information here, but I don't know if you've, you've thought about this, but I want to go back. We'll end with this, with the Ark of the Covenant. I just thought about this, that with that, representation of mother that there's a lid that the lid was put on the ark to make sure that all of that stays in there well i just thought about this if you blaspheme um, mother you go back to sin then you've that lid comes off that seal comes off and all of that comes out and it can't be put back in because you cannot go through the order again so make sure that that seal stays sealed in place until death so that you're not left out of the kingdom because you didn't have the fullness of faith. But yeah, with entitlement, Yah holds the entitlement. Yah is the one that is the ultimate law. Everything they do is right, fair, and just. Make sure that what you are doing, what you're claiming, that you have true faith does line up with what the Word of God says, because when it does, they do not lie. They fulfill all their promises that you will get what Yah has laid out. So we'll end for the evening, and Lord willing, we will be back with you on Saturday at 6 o'clock in the morning. And just a reminder as well, if anybody would want to send us an email, we do have an email. It is hidden treasures, so treasures with an S, revealed at AOL.com. So it's hidden treasures revealed at AOL.com. And we also do have a Facebook page, Hidden Treasures Revealed, where we'll update from time to time. So we very grateful to God that we we're able to do this and thank everyone for listening. And until Lord willing, next time, have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Reveal. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.